Welcome to episode 120 of Ready Press Play, recorded on April 21st, 2022. We're your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of video games. Today, we'll be talking about our video game Metacritic fantasy football game and more. Stay tuned. What's up, players? This is your host, Dan Lima, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Liz Chuck. You know, Dan, it's going to be very difficult to come up with two you-know-dans in one week. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let's bring the energy up. I was just joking when I started that low, although I am feeling a little bit tired because this is the second episode Louis and I are recording in a row. We're trying a new format for the podcast. Well, you know, it's, I actually feel like it works because if you think about, like, since we're recording, like, 119 and 120 in the same day, the 119, you over-exaggerated the intro with your high energy, and then you completely, like, pendulum swing the other way, and we had low energy on the 120. Yes, 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 yes. So it's like, you know, we can only hope that the listeners match the energy somehow week <laughs> over week, right? Like, maybe... Maybe save it for like, you know, a week where you need that that excitement. You go and you listen to the previous episode or something. I don't freaking even know what I'm talking about. I'm really just feeling the sausage here. The truth is, uh, Louis and I want to try this thing out. We'll see uh, how we feel about it. Where we record once every two weeks and then we record two episodes back to back. Of course, that means that we cannot cover the news every week because... You know, obviously, Sony we're has bought Take tellers. Two. <laughs> yeah, we're not fortune tellers, right? So, like, Sony has bought Take Two, but we can't talk about that because we don't know about it yet because we are recording <laughs> from the past. Um, but can you imagine how cool would it be if that actually if you happened? Right. <laughs> we're like, we have like the low energy intro, and the listeners are thinking to themselves, why aren't they freaking excited? This is like the biggest <laughs> news item of the freaking century, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I also realized that, like, I uh, I did the low-energy intro on purpose because I thought it was, like, it would be funny, like, the the, just, the just, juxtaposition of that versus my overly high-energetic intro for the last episode. But then I realized that even though I heard them back-to-back, -back, the listeners would hear them seven days apart. They're not even going to remember <laughs> what the last episode <laughs> was about when they get there. So they're just going to be like, dang, what, what happened to Dan? Um... Well, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It's been a good long day. It is 8 p.m. Uh, my time here. It's like past 10 p.m. on Lewis's time. Um, Lewis, how are you? How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm feeling good. I've I I'm uh, I feel like I'm on top of the world. Like you know, I've I've been telling everyone how like everything's going is coming up, Lewis, and uh, one day the rug will be pulled out from underneath me, and then I'll and then I'll bitch about it. How 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 uh how funny would it be if you died like in between like episodes one nineteen and episode one twenty? No, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> that was too much. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about the darkness, but I just meant you know how you're 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 saying like oh what if the you know the rug gets pulled from under me? <laughs> yes, oh <you're>... my god! <laughs> you know how how okay? Let, let's let's go down this rabbit hole. Like how guilty okay. would you feel if like oh, I died man. in real life? And you have one of the last recordings of me that's going to be scheduled to come out posthumously. Wow. I uh, 
terrible. I don't even know. <laughs> or like, or even worse, like you're the, the the audio gets corrupted or something like that, and you can't, <laughs> like you can't put it out or something like that. Oh, I don't know. That would be like dang. some. That's this the is like how material with, there. This is how like uh, the, the 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 makers of the Dark Knight felt with about Heath Ledger or something like that. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Dang, that uh, that got dark quick. <laughs> yeah, no. I know. You know, you are in a bit of a dark mood here today. You know, like a low energy yes. kind of mood. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. I don't know why, because we're going to be talking about exciting stuff today. So uh, we have one topic that we're going to be talking about today. And I think we can even skip the, the, the sound effect and the, and the intro here, Louis, and we can maybe just kind of sort of smooth into it, which is that a long time ago, um, you know, a little over a year ago now, like 13 months or so, uh, Louis and I got together and we drafted, uh, you know, the publishers, the big video game publishers. I had a, I brought in a list of like 20 different names and then we took turns picking them, but we didn't pick all of them, uh, cause we didn't want it to be, uh, like too hard to, uh, to track and to, uh, to talk about later. Uh, so we actually like, I think we picked, it was like eight, we picked eight each, um, but there's some interesting details here because we kind of grouped some things together. Uh, the Metacritic does not necessarily group together. So we had like, we had grouped together Microsoft and Bethesda, for instance. Uh, and I also had added the Embracer group. But when you look at Metacritic information, like Metacritic does not track the Embracer group as a as a publisher. It tracks THQ Nordic and Coke Media and Gearbox and Saber Interactive and all those things um, as like individual publishers. So... Based on that, what I think we're going to have to do when we're looking at some results here is that we're going to need to like sort of average them out. That's what get, I was thinking. Yeah. Um, to get some numbers. But yeah, I put it. So the idea was like, you know, we were going to pick a team of publishers and then we're going to see how they did over a year uh, and then look back and then try to figure out like who who did best, who picked the best publishers and et cetera. And we're going to do that based on Metacritic just because that's, you know, a way to compare uh, the different publishers and Metacritic does do a ranking at the end of the year where they add like you know they average out the releases from each publisher and etc. Um, so I have a table here that we're going to fill out together. Um, there's a few more things I want to say. So number one is that I kind of anticipated that we were going to do the legwork on this ourselves um, and and therefore we would be able to kind of filter out exactly how we want to do it and which parameters we wanted to do it with. Um, but that's way too much work. <laughs> so instead, we're just going to go through the Metacritic ranking together. Um, and we're going to go through it in order. And then we're going to fill in the table with the information here for, for the publishers that we picked. Uh, but, uh, Louis, before we do that, uh, do you want to either like talk about our teams in quotes, or, uh, do you want to just, do you have any general thoughts that you want to? Okay, first off, Dan, I'm, I'm very surprised because I was expecting you to have like the tables already pre-done, like like white text to have hidden and then like you bring it up. I, was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I did all the legwork, you know, here's the answers kind of stuff like what I did with uh, with Ready Press Play uh, or sorry, uh, Ready Play Movies with Troy where it's like I was like, I already knew the answers, but he didn't, you know. Mm. Um, so that that's surprising. But two. Uh, I still think, and I'm looking at the, I'm looking at our squads, and like I feel like this is just gonna be like a slam dunk, easy victory, like where I ch I chose very very good teams, and uh, mm -hmm. and yeah. By the way, um, we still, we got we got an interesting situation uh, going on here uh, because uh, Activision Blizzard is now gonna be joining the the Microsoft team, so it's gonna it's That's gonna make right. it's gonna bring me down one less team. 
we'll we'll have to figure out how we want to approach this moving forward. I had kind of planned it that we were going to do it for a year and then like maybe like redo the whole thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like restart from from zero or something. Um, but really, we're only looking, you know, we're doing this in April, but we're looking at like last year, like January through December data. And it's not how I originally intended it. So we really need to um, talk offline about this this topic, I think, and decide how we want to pursue, like how we want to handle it moving forward. Did, when did, okay, well, first off, when did we make the draft of teams? And so, that's number one. And number two, what's the period from what day to what day are we, is the, is the contest ending? So we did it in March of 2021 holy shit and, that was a long yeah. time ago yeah and i the way i looked at it was that it was going to be like a year right like so like from march 2021 until march 2022 but we don't have that data because like metacritic the way they track it is january through december so what we would have had to do is literally look at like each publisher all their releases and then look at all like within the period right and then kind of do it manually for each publisher and that just seemed like way too much work also you talked about like me doing the legwork and not doing the legwork. I actually did the legwork for this and then I lost the file. <laughs> <laughs> I had like a file just open on my computer where I like put it together real quick and then I ended up not saving it and like losing it or something. Um, so I Google figured Sheets, you know, man. Google Sheets saves it as, <laughs> I know, as you do. I know, it. I know. Uh, but that's fine because I thought it would be fun either way because like I had, I put the data in there, but I didn't like, I didn't see the final results. Like I didn't sum it. Uh, or average it or however we want to do it. So let's let's go through this together. I think, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, just to recap, uh, Lewis, why don't you tell us uh, what your team is? Oh, I've got I've got like the dream team here. I got Nintendo. I got Microsoft slash Bethesda. I got EA. I got Activision. I got Square Enix, Sega, Take Two, and Embracer, who is comprises of THQ and Coke Media and Gearbox and Saber Interactive. So it's like. Yeah, I'm just gonna be out here dunking on on Dan this, yeah, this time I, around. I am definitely the underdog, but I am not convinced that you're gonna win yet. So we'll see. We'll see okay. how the the games actually did. So my uh my team is Sony, which is like my star player. Like all my, <laughs> it's like I'm one of those teams that has like a star player, right? Like and everybody else just kind of like supports them, right? Like so I got Sony as the star player, which unfortunately I don't think last year was a great year for Sony. Now that I'm thinking <laughs> for output, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so my, my, my star player had a tough year, but we, I also have Ubisoft, Capcom, Warner Brothers, Bandai Namco, CD Projekt Red, Annapurna Interactive, and Humble Bundle. And here's the funny thing. I picked CD Projekt Red thinking about Cyberpunk coming out to uh, PS5 and Series X, and that didn't happen until this year. I pick, And also I was thinking about The Witcher re-release too, which is not out yet. I picked Warner Brothers thinking about Suicide Squad and Gotham Knights. And one of those games is coming out this year, and the other one is now coming out next year. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had a bunch of stuff get delayed as well. But here's how we're going to do this. We're going to go through the list from Metacritic, Metacritic's 12 annual game publisher rankings. And we're going to start at the bottom, and we're going to go one by one, and we're going to talk a little bit about all of them. So at number 43, we got March Games, not relevant to any of us i don't really know this publisher yeah so let's just move on to the next sorry it's not uh it's not working for me for some reason let me refresh this are you able to go through this list lewis yes i have it so that's number number 42 through 30 is all in one page here so uh 42 is curve games at 66 
Number 41 is PM Studios at 69. Hell yeah. Uh, number 40 is THQ Nordic at, uh, at 67, which is interesting how it went lower. But okay. yeah, number 40. So THQ. let's talk about that. So THQ Nordic is number 40 in the rank. So we got to go in and, uh, and insert that in there. Uh, and it has 22 release products, products mm-hmm. 12... Uh, uh, distinct titles which i think what that means is like like you can have the same game come out on different platforms so i think that would count as different products but the same title uh and the average meta score is 67.8 so not particularly good not the not the great not the great year for uh for thq nordic there i like how um, like the next one is nakon and they have a lower metascritic score but they they uh, are one spot higher above them, but it's just, I wonder what, like, I'm guessing it's like the guess the products or, or something. I don't know. Some kind of point. They got a point system going on here that I'm not yes. familiar with. Yes, 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 for sure. Uh, number 38 is ININ Games, which I think I've heard about, but I don't know what they do. 37 is Thunderful. 36 is All In Games. 35 is Playism. 34 is Idea Factory. 33 is East Asia Soft. 32 is P-Cube, 31 is Microids, 30 is Nakana.io. So, yeah, the only one that uh, that has made it into our list here yet is DHQ Nordic. Uh, moving out, uh, moving on, we got Sold Out at number 29. They're the publishers of Overcooked. Then, mm-hmm. I this is so annoying. For some reason, I literally have to, uh, to click the... The like, arrow button. To, to, yeah. No, I, I have to go in the URL and update the URL manually because the arrow button doesn't work for me for some reason. Interesting. Number 28. We got another Lewis publisher here with Coke Media. So Coke Media was number 28 in the ranking, fell down from number 23 in the previous year. They had 58 scored products. That's a lot. 28 distinct titles um, with a 70.6 meta score. Um and let's see if you can see anything interesting that they release here. Uh, the best, their best 2021 release was Metro Exodus Complete Complete Edition, um, and they had uh, some uh, some disappointments like King's Bounty Two and God's Wolfhole. It's kind of funny because not to be confused with the with Godfall. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you read the next few here while I uh, put these in the in the table I li- list? I like how. Uh... Like the first couple of entries on the bottom of the list, working my way up is or working our way up. It's it's a, these are Lewis picks. <laughs> like damn it. Yep. yep. Uh, speaking of another Lewis pick, at number twenty seven is Take Two Interactive, which is hella surprising because we're talking about Take Two here. But uh, you know why though, right? Can you remember what big uh, release Take Two Interactive had last oh, year? Oh shit! Grand Theft Auto the trilogy, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. It. Yes. Which likely okay. dragged them down quite a bit. Yeah. So, so mm, I see have... a pattern here. It looks <laughs> like uh, Lewis, interestingly enough, seems to have picked the worst publishers of the, <laughs> of the year. <laughs> oh my god! You know what's kind of crazy is like you, you know, freaking these Take Two and freaking Embracer are like good. They got they got product. You know, you would think that they would be but whatever. Anyways, um, so we have. The average meta score of 69, yeah, 0.1. And then we have, was it six, dis- six distinct titles, 14 uh, scored products. 
so they had um, they had Hades under their belt, which is their highest scoring game, uh, which is good, obviously. But mm-hmm. damn. Um, so we don't. I guess I'm guessing they haven't really had any product from Rockstar. So not at least other than Grand Theft Auto the trilogy. But still, damn it. <laughs> and number twenty six, we got Team Seventeen, known indie publisher, but that we did not include in our game. Then. Moving on, at number 25, we got Xseed slash Marvelous. Then at number 24, we got Radalika Games. Then at number 23, we got NIS America. Then at number 22, we got Maximum Games. And then at number 21, Saber Interactive. Ooh, Lewis. Yeah. Lewis, this is interesting. This is very interesting. Um, let's see. What did Saber Interactive uh, put out here? Uh, they did Star Wars, uh, a Switch port of uh, Star Wars Cold Knights War. of the Old Republic. It was their highest rated game. And they, with, with one of their lowest being Stubbs the Zombie in Rebel Without a Pulse. So here's the interesting thing with these Embracer uh, group games, right? That, uh... They, uh, it's, it's the, we talked, we talked about it before. It's like the middle, the middle range of the, of the game development of the games industry, right? It's, uh, the, the sevens or sevens and sixes yeah. that went away for a while and then are coming back now. And I actually think, you know, they put out a lot of games and I think these meta scores make sense because the games that they put out probably range from like fives to eights, you know what I mean? So you yeah. see kind of the average being, you know, like... Six, nine, like, sevens. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that, you know, so far has made sense. And I, I, I don't know how we're going to do this at the end, by the way, if we're going to add up scores or, or average or, or do what. But um, we're definitely going to average them within the, the groups uh, to determine, like, what Embracer's overall um, score is. But we'll get there. Uh, at number 20, we got Ralph Fury, Ralph Fury, actually, not Fury, Fury, <laughs> uh, who, uh, indie publisher as well, uh, with the game Townscaper being one of their standouts last year. And then finally, we got to a Dan publisher. So my, the, my lowest publisher in the list is somewhat surprisingly, in my opinion, Ubisoft. At number 19. Ubisoft. And number 19 with 28 scored products and 12 titles and a Metacritic average of 74.2. Which honestly, Lewis, when I think about Ubisoft, I think 74. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair right? Enough. Yeah. 74, 75. I would have. Yeah. Let's see. Their releases included uh, Just Dance 2022, Far Cry 6, and Riders Republic. I feel like I feel like that's a solid I know they they didn't have an Assassin's Creed, right? Um they didn't have a a Watch Dogs. But I think that's a solid lineup. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I, they didn't put out Prince of Persia. That would have bumped things <laughs> up. <laughs> that's true. I might have been counting with that at that point. It's funny actually. It was funny looking at our original list cuz I I put in it wasn't just the publishers that were listed, but also like possible upcoming products right for 2021 and lewis we were so naive <laughs> we were so naive at that point we had no idea 
uh, how how much these games were going to get delayed. Um, that is true. And, and number 18, another one of my favorites, one I expected would be higher up on the list, Annapurna Interactive. So Annapurna Interactive and number 18, a fall from being from number, number two, two frick. in the previous rank. It had 17 products. It had seven titles. And the average meta score was 73.5. Now let's look at what some of their major releases were. They put disappointments as 12 minutes. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> From a Metacritic perspective, yeah, I guess that's true. Um, last Stop, Maquette, and 12 minutes were some listed as some of the disappointments. Their best new game was The Artful Escape, while its highest meta score belonged to the Outer Wilds DLC. Echoes what? of the eye. Their highest thing was DLC. No. <laughs> well, you know, it is what it is. Uh, tired of these standalone DLCs. <laughs> Later we get Focus Entertainment at number 17. Plug in Digital. I've never heard of this before at number 16. Although I have heard of the Forgotten City game that they published. Number 15, we got Koei Tecmo Games. I'm surprised none of us got that one. Yeah. Maybe that, that one would have been worth looking at. Well, it doesn't seem like they had much of a product. I'm looking at these things. These are old games. Yeah. Um, fair enough. Just ports and re-releases. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Louis, you're about to get your heart broken. Number oh 14 in the Metacritic list. We got Nintendo. So oh, you're going to go in there. Go ahead. That's not, that doesn't sound right. Because first off, they don't... <laughs> They don't make shit stuff. Why are they they scoring in the sevens? That doesn't make any fucking sense. Like this was like one of this was my star my star hitter too. You know, like it just ah. No, yes. I don't. I don't. Nintendo doesn't make mediocre games. Um, Here's the even... thing, though. They do. They do. <laughs> you just don't see it because the, the the interesting thing with Nintendo is that they publish a lot too, right? Like there's a lot of random like eShop games and other things that they put out, and yeah, they're not bad they're almost never bad um but they're not necessarily that great either sometimes um and 2021 was kind of like a low like a low-key sort of year for nintendo because metroid dread was the best release that nintendo had which was an 88 on metacritic uh they had the mario 3d world port which scored an 89 um but other than that it was what like uh mario party right um not a lot else you know there wasn't Metroid dread right i mean yeah i did mention metroid dread that got an 88 oh so well look i'm gonna just say this i'm gonna give it to i'm gonna give it up to nintendo they had 18 scored products and 18 distinct titles so those numbers matched so i like everything they published it's exclusive (laughs) to one one skew yes yes that makes sense that makes sense number 13 is dangan entertainment publisher i don't know we don't know number 12 lewis publisher again square enix file from number 11 with an average meta score of 75.3 54 products 24 titles let's read over here the top their top 2021 release was final fantasy 14 and walker so dlc as well for their uh online game uh and their their biggest dud was Balin Wonderworld oh. with the thirty six. Oh, ouch! 
that's that, uh, that if, they, if we would remove that as an outlier, you know, <laughs> that would have bumped up the, the average a lot. Shit. That's that's a good point. That's a good point, Louis. I think you're uh, you're not looking so good. Your uh, your all star team is starting to not look not look so good anymore, huh? <laughs> I, I don't like the fact that like I'm I'm on this. Uh, we're filling out this chart here, and I have more data than you. And I'm like, come on, man. We need it. <laughs> I need to start seeing some Dan game, some Dan publishers like from like numbers eleven through five right now. We'll see. We'll see. Number eleven is a publisher that. Was available to be drafted, but neither of us picked, which is Devolver Digital. I think it's because there's a lot, like Devolver publishes a lot of great stuff, but there's also a lot of unknown, a lot of things that I don't, that we don't follow uh, very well. So I wasn't, we didn't feel confident, um, you know, betting on it. But, you know, some of their big hits included Death's Door, Inscription, and Loop Hero, which this points out to me, Devolver is a good pick. (laughs) Because these are like game of the year kind of game awards nominated games right there. Okay, um. look, I'm gonna just make it. Okay, we're we're in the top ten now. If Warner Brothers has zero products, what if they're not even in the top ten? Just want to throw that out there. You might have a point there. You might have a point. And then I don't know how we're gonna how we're gonna approach that. So yeah, we're about to start on the top ten. Sorry, I just had to stop to uh, drink some water there. And uh, I think I'm gonna read. Uh, the blurbs for each one of those top 10 uh, publishers, Louis, if you don't mind. All right. Um, number 10, a publisher we skipped is 505 Games. It went up from number 13 at the previous uh, year with a 75.7 Metacritic average, eight products, five titles. And it says here, our number one ranked publisher two years ago, 505 Games fell out of our top 10 last year, but returned to that upper tier this year. Thanks in large part to receiving positive reviews for three out of every four products it released in 2021. The publisher's best reviewed 2021 release was a port of control for the newest generation of consoles. (laughs) (laughs) So not the most exciting lineup there. Then a number nine, EA. I am genuinely surprised you didn't draft EA. <laughs> well, it would be a conflict of interest, you know what I mean. <laughs> I can't do that. Uh, as y'all know, EA employee disclaimer, yada yada yada. My own opinion. I don't speak for EA. Um, so EA went up from being uh, number twenty-one in the previous year with an average meta score of seventy-eight point three, thirty-six products, fourteen titles. Uh, let's see here. Reversing a two-year slide from a number three ranking to number twenty-one, electronic. Electronic Arts saw its ranking jump 12 spots while its average meta score improved by nearly 6 points compared to a year ago. Helping lead the turnaround was a remaster reissue of the classic Mass Effect trilogy, as well as one of 2021's best new IPs and best games period, the award-winning co-op action-adventure game It Takes Two. Other EA highlights in the past year include F1 2021, the first title in the racing series to be published by EA Sports following EA's takeover of Codemasters, as well as another new IP, the team-based dodgeball game Knockout City. But EA's Call of Duty competitor Battlefield 2042 proved to be a major disappointment, as did the year's annual Madden installment. So, you know, the interesting thing about this is that the bigger EA franchises, like Madden and Battlefield, were not what carried them into the top 10, but it was It Takes Two and Knockout City. <laughs> you know? That's funny. You know, honestly, if we're, if we're, if we're going to make this a two-parter episode where we come back and revisit this uh, topic 
I would like to see us like start uh, doing this thing where where we like remove games from the calculations. Like, all right, I want to remove that game <laughs> to, <laughs> to see if we so, can bolster our, our, our. Here's what I think we should do. I think that if we do it manually, what we can do is we can um, we can pick like for each publisher we find their three top games. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we just look at the three top games for each publisher. Interesting. Um, it will just take a little bit more work. Number eight is Sega. Oh I was also God. on Lewis's team. <laughs> am I going to have... The question is, am I going to have the entire top five or something? Or are my publishers... Like, did they not even chart? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, either one of the two, right? Humble Bundle making, making the top five is going to be an interesting thing. I like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because like I still got... Humble Bundle, CD Projekt, Bandai Namco, Warner Brothers, Capcom, and Sony. I'm guessing Sony is in the top five. Yeah. Maybe Capcom as well. But some of the others might have not even charted. So we'll see. Unless, which is really crazy because you would think that, you know, someone like Humble Bundle would have product that, that would have, you know. Anyways. Why don't you read the the blurb for Sega, Lewis? Sure. It was previously ranked last year at number one, which is insane. Did not know that. Its current average score is at 77.6. It had 38 uh, products with 19 distinct titles. Uh, let's see. Though Sega couldn't duplicate its top ranking from a year ago, it was still another very good year for the 61-year-old Japanese giant, thanks to a number of well-reviewed titles, including the Xbox One version of Yakuza 6, The Song of Life, and the Yakuza Remastered Collection for PC. Still, that 77.6 average meta score represents a drop of four points from last year's figure, and Sega did, uh, did release some disappointing titles like Sonic Colors Ultimate and a delayed Olympic-themed sports game. Which... Didn't we bullshit? Did we we talk shit about that uh, that sports game that had Sonic? Remember that that sports game <laughs> that had like the guy in what's a seemingly like oh, a Sonic yeah. costume? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the previous year's ranking by the way because I'm I'm curious why like Sega was number one. So I'm pulling this up right here for 2020. Uh, Sega had uh, Persona, oh Persona Five Royal, I think. Mm-hmm. Um. As well as 13 Sentinels Ages Rim, which I think this showed up on the like or like new releases recently because it was ported or something. Um, but yeah, like nothing, nothing necessarily that like standout ish, but um, they also had Yakuza Zero and all these. Yeah. So, okay. So, the best case scenario here is a Metacritic in the low 80s in average because Sega had an 81 as number one on the previous year. But okay. I digress. If that were the case, then our lowest thing was at 67. So let's just say 81, 82. That means we're talking about like margins of razor thin. Like, uh, yeah, just throwing that out there. Yeah, true. Number seven is a Dan publisher, Bandai Namco, with an average meta score of 78.5, a massive raise, rise from number 38 on the list previously, 24 products, 11 titles. Uh, it looks like a story of quality over quantity. Shooting up 31 spots in our rankings, Bandai Namco released about half as many products in 2021 than it did the year before, but those games were much better, with an average meta score up by nearly 13 points compared to the previous year's uh, 65.8. The best among those was Tales of Arise, an action RPG in the long-running Tales fantasy series. All right, all right, all right. So I have what? Like, I have... Uh... We have six spots to go, and I have five publishers to still come up. 
while you have three four no four f- four no. right yeah. so like there is at least three publishers that uh that we picked that did I not didn't chart. make the list hmm, <laughs> yeah interesting interesting number six let's go capcom that's uh my my, my team again uh, it's a fall from number three, meta score of 80.6 with 17 products and seven titles. Though Capcom fell out of our top five for the first time in five years, it is Damn. the only publisher to average over 80 for its releases in both 2020 and 2021. Um, Annapurna and Sega had been the other ones and then they dropped under 80 this year. Switch console exclusive Monster Hunter Rise was Capcom's highest scoring release in 2021, while Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection was its only title not to receive positive reviews. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Capcom has become a top-tier publisher, I feel like, over the last few years. I mean, they've been around for a really long time, don't get me wrong, but I think that for a while they weren't as prominent as they've been recently um, with the Resident Evil remakes and etc. Number five, we got Bethesda Softworks on Lewis's team under Microsoft. Uh, it was a jump from number 16 on the list the previous year. Meta score of 80.2, 15 products, seven titles. As you likely know, Bethesda's parent company ZeniMax Media was purchased by Microsoft last year. But since Microsoft has pledged to maintain ZeniMax as a separate business, we are treating Bethesda as a separate publisher for now. And as a separate publisher, Bethesda had a very good 2021, with only two of its 15 scored products failing to receive a positive critical reception. Bethesda's best games were the new IP Deathloop, developed by sister company Arcane Studios, and a remastered version of the classic Quake. The year ahead could be another big one for Bethesda, as its lineup includes highly anticipated titles Starfield and Ghostfire Tokyo. Um, so yeah, Bethesda and number five. Do you have any thoughts on this list? Well, my uh, the average meta score for Bethesda was lower than that of Capcom, but still charted higher. I'm assuming it has something to do with the products, the product count or whatever. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, this one is, uh, I'm happy. It's definitely in the 80s and it's going to definitely help my team. But uh, I'm just more like concerned with how, how many things are seemingly seemingly not going to be charting in this, uh, in this list. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting. We shall see. Number four, we got... Activision Blizzard from Lewis Esteem as well. I think it's I think it's, it's my list that's not gonna that's not gonna chart. Um, like in who, fact, I'm, pre- the, I'm pretty confident. The, who's the winner now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty confident. CD Projekt not in here at least. Um, and we'll see about Humble Bundle and Warner Brothers, but I would be surprised for both of those at this point. Um, with a meta score of 80.6, 17 products, six titles. Given all of the activity activity and controversy surrounding Activision Blizzard in 2021, it's almost a bit of a surprise to see the gaming giant ranked so highly. But here they are, thanks to acclaimed titles like the remastered compilation Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 Plus 2 and a new game in the Crash Bandicoot series. And to a lesser extent, Blizzard's Diablo 2 Resurrected. In fact, the publisher had just one critical disappointment in 2021, Call of Duty Vanguard. What the hell? Which, wow. I don't know if I would call that a disappointment when it had a 72 Metacritic. I just pulled it up. Um, so yeah, Lewis. Number four, Activision. Oh, top three. Holy shit. Holy shit. Number three. What the hell? 
third best publisher of 2021, according to Metacritic, Humble Games. With an average meta score of 80.9, 17 products, 7 titles. There's no need to be humble about having such an excellent 2021. See what they did there? <laughs> Indie game publisher and storefront, Humble Games, had its best year to date from a quality standpoint, with positive reviews for all but one of its low-budget titles, the one being Into the Pit. Humble's many highlights over the past year include sci-fi action-adventure Unsighted and the puzzler Unpacking. Shout out to Unpacking, by the way. I played that at GDC. It is an indie game about moving to a new place and unpacking your boxes and deciding where to put your stuff, and it is quite cute and wholesome. All right. All right. So, number two, and I'm going to have you read this one, Lewis, because my voice is getting tired. All right. At number two, we have Sony, which uh, means I'm the winner. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, Sony has 11 products, uh, scored products with 10 distinct titles, uh, making the average at 81.3. Um, it says here, not content to let rival Microsoft snap all, all, the, all of the competition, Sony also made a splashy acquisition of its own, offering $3.6 billion for Destiny and Halo creator Bungie. Uh, though that deal has yet to close, when it does, it could put Sony in the position of publishing games for consoles other than PlayStation, something it did not do in 2021. There was an Xbox version of M the Sony's MLB The Show uh, for the first time, but it was published by a third party. Um, but what Sony did publish in 2021 for the late, for the PlayStation as well as PC was the one exception, pretty terrific, led by the latest uh, Ratchet and Clank title and the PS5 versions of Ghost of Tsushima and Death Stranding. Um, although it won't count until next year's rankings, Sony's 2022 slate has already gotten off to a strong start with Gran Turismo 7 and Horizon Forbidden West impressing reviewers. Hmm, interesting. All right. This must mean that number one is me at Microsoft. <laughs> uh, Microsoft at number one. Yeah, I'm, got, I'm glad I got that that big he uh, headliner there. Uh, they were previously ranked number six last year, so they went up five spots. Uh, their average Metacritic score was at 87.4. Uh, they had uh, 10 products scored, five distinct titles. I'm assuming that it's got to be all like Xbox PC, Xbox PC, or something like that. Um, yeah. Um, it's a very rare for a, publish a publisher to average above 80 for its releases across a single calendar year. But how often does it ha a company average above 85? Never until this year. Holy shit. 87. That is a huge gap between uh, PlayStation. Wow, okay. Um, our runaway winner for the year's publisher of the year honors Microsoft certainly published fewer titles in 2021 uh, than it does in a typical year. But what games... What, what games it did publish were uniformly excellent, making Microsoft the only publisher with a 100% success rate. Three different titles scored 90 or higher, also top uh, among all the publishers. The latest Forza Horizon Racer, a sequel to Psychonauts, and the Xbox Series X version of Microsoft Flight Simulator. Their successes almost make Halo Infinite seem like a disappointment with the mere 87. <laughs> Can Microsoft maintain its quality control over Activision? Once, Acti uh, once Activision Blizzard is welcome into the fold, stay tuned. It makes me wonder, by the way, because uh, they it's five titles, but they uh, they mentioned four of them. I wonder what's the one that uh, they were missing. But yeah, man, it's, it's interesting to think about 
you know, Microsoft has had this uh, reputation of not really having quality games in the same level as Sony. Uh, and then they go out and, and have a year in 2021 where they literally have the highest rated Metacritic average of all time. However, it is also fair to say, and I think this is kind of important, um, that, you know, Psychonauts was already in development. <laughs> Psychonauts 2 was already in development for a long time before they even came into the picture. Uh, I do think it's relevant that Bethesda is not included in this list. Um, so this is very much like Microsoft Studios um, outside of Bethesda, outside of Activision Blizzard. Um, I Interestingly enough, I think over time, Microsoft is going to be less likely to be at the top of this ranking. Because uh, and, my Bethesda? Well, what I was going to say is because the, the quantity is going to drag them down, I think. Mm. Because they had five, whichever the fifth one is that we can't think of. <laughs> they have five killer games. Um last year right but i think it's going to become a situation where they're going to have a lot more games and therefore not as many um you know not not as many bangers yeah uh, perhaps necessarily um so all right so how do we <laughs> how do we so how do we want to approach this uh so first we got to average your embracer group here um, yeah, which is missing, uh, which was missing uh, Gearbox. Gearbox. So that's uh, interesting. Um, I, I, I will say that I um, I think if they didn't chart, we give them a zero and just say, you know, they're just going to drag your average down. Or something. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's fair at all. Yeah, because I got I gotta punish you for for not charting. I I, I feel like that is that is just a, like a like a ill intended suggestion because <laughs> it would automatically make you the winner. Uh, all right, so here's the thing: your average meta score for Embracer uh, ends up being sixty nine point seven. I just did the the math here real quick, um, and then with uh, you know the two companies that I had that didn't chart were CD Projekt and Warner Brothers. Um, because of the delays, you know, I, I thought it was like they were guaranteed to be there. Uh, I'm guessing, Louis, by the way, that I'm guessing that you must have some number of releases to make it into the chart because um, it, the list would be much, much longer, I'd assume, than just 42 or 43 publishers if anybody that published one game made it into the list, right? Mm, I see. So I wonder if like CD Projekt and Warner... I know CD Projekt didn't, but... With Warner Brothers, they probably did publish something, you know, over the years. It's hard to believe they wouldn't have published anything, but it's probably not enough, uh, you know, to make it there. Um, now, let's start. Um, let's see. Do we... I, I am not going to buy the whole, like, the zeros dragging me down because that's some fucking bullshit. <laughs> that's not... <laughs> That's not how you do this kind of thing. That's not how you do this kind of thing. That's not how uh, averages work. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but I will point out that, I mean, there is an argument here that uh, that, a, that a straight up average might not necessarily be fair because you would be averaging, like, I guess nine companies for you um, and six companies for me, right? So I wonder... Like, I am almost, like, tempted to be nice and give a suggestion that will probably make me lose. <laughs> Which is, what if you could drop 
your bottom three, mm. and then we average but five five e five. Yeah, or like um, yeah, or like the top six. I guess it would be because I have I do have six. Okay, but I don't know how how. What do you think? Do you? Okay, first off, let's settle this. Mm-hmm. Do I need to average Microsoft and Bethesda together? I don't know. Or do I treat them as uh, separate categories? You know what? I'm gonna say yes because when we did the picking, you picked you picked them as one. So okay. if we don't, then you, you're basically I feel like that that would give you an advantage basically because you basically have one more company. You know what I mean? Mm. All right, <laughs> let's uh, let's. Do... I love that we're making the rules on the spot. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got this. Uh, let's see here. All right, I'm gonna just go ahead and average it out right now, so that way I can I can know what my Microsoft average is. So uh, obviously, bear with us on the uh, the Jeopardy music or something. I don't know. Gonna, <laughs> this is probably Dan. this is probably the least entertaining um, Ready Press Play episode ever from like a listener's perspective. Actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> Um, this would have been a good like Twitch like Twitch stream or like a video episode, I think, more so than an audio episode. And then we gave up. And then we gave up doing vid- uh, video. <laughs> so, uh. I find it interesting that you're actually averaging everything because I only averaged the meta score for Embracer. <laughs> yeah. No, I gotta. We gotta do it the right way. You gotta do the extra credit. You gotta yes. be the overachiever. All right. So with Mike, with treating uh, treating Microsoft as uh, and Bethesda as one publishing entity, uh, basically they averaged they averaged out being at number three and with twelve point five products at six distinct titles, and an eighty three point uh, eight average, still keeping them at number one above Sony. So <laughs> that's <laughs> uh, so yeah. There you go. That's interesting. All right. So let's highlight uh let's highlight or uh what like our top five here i guess yeah okay um, i will do that can we do uh i wonder if i should uh actually add the elevator music to the to the episode <laughs> <laughs> and the edit yeah i'll consider it i probably won't do it <laughs> I'll be starting to edit later than I normally do today because we recorded two episodes in a row. So eh, I'll probably keep it simple. So just to clarify the rules, we're just doing our top six, right? Sure. Top six. All right. I had just said top five, but let's go with top six. Well, with you, it's all six of them, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) yes. All right. So I'm going to start doing my average here. So we got, we got. Um, Sony at 81.3, then Humble Bundle at 80.9, then Capcom at 80.6, then Bandai Namco at 78.5, then Ubisoft at 74.2, and Annapurna at 73.5. The total comes down to 469, which divided by 6 is 78.16 so (laughs) my total average that's actually kind of (laughs) disappointing is uh 78.16 
like this. I won. Wait, no, no, no. You gotta walk. You gotta walk us through it, Louis. All right, like I all did. right, all right. Here we go. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna redo the calculation again, just because. All right. So my top six: Nintendo at 76, Microsoft averaging 83.8, EA at 78.3, Activision at 80.6. Square Enix at 75.3, and Sega at 77.6. So when you divide by 6, uh, you get 78.6. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I was actually doing it at the same time because I wanted to fact check you. Make sure you weren't just pulling some bullshit out of your ass. <laughs> and it makes me like, it actually makes me mad that it's just like by like literally like a point five. <laughs> 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 Oh. You know, what's kind of hilarious is that just dropping the dead weight that was Take Two and Embracer really helped things out. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Dang, that's true. Um, wow, 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 wow. Well, this was a fun little exercise. We now got to talk offline and decide how we actually want to proceed Ooh, with this. Let's do. Let's do <laughs> one more. Let's do one more ranking. Average out your rankings from like two nineteen six. Like okay, take those right, and see that. where on average your publisher rank where. Okay, let's do that. So I'm, I have uh, Sony at number two, Humble Bundle at number three, which I'm still shocked by that. Uh, Capcom at number six, then Bandai Namco at number seven, Annapurna at number 18, and Ubisoft at number 19. And that averages out to 9.16. Wow, you really, you're lower again. I guess it makes sense with the average being it is. But yeah, my average, true. I averaged out at 8.3. Yes. Oh, so makes... you are... Uh, you are the eighth best, <laughs> uh, and I am the ninth. Uh, not best. too shabby, not too shabby. Yeah, but I would have totally been screwed. I'm, you know what? I'm glad that CD Projekt Red and Warner Brothers didn't chart because that was the, that was like the crux. I know um, it was whatever. because just imagine, like, let's see if we, yeah, because here's the funny thing too. If they charted, even if they didn't chart that well. It, we would have done a top seven and it would have forced you to bring in <laughs> Embracer with its uh, 69 shitty meta score <laughs> and I would have probably beat you. As long as it was like over 69, I would have probably beat you. Um, I'm, I'm willing to bet that with Warner Brothers and CD Projekt Red, they're either, it's probably like no product or something like that. That's probably like the only thing I can think of. Why yeah. wouldn't they chart, you know? Uh, yeah. And then also just, uh, uh, I don't know, I just... It just seems very weird seeing them like being like this big name publishers and they, they didn't have anything to to score or whatever. But I will say, uh, you know, treating them as like as like like the worst scoring thing possible was going to be my my idea to fuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, if the perhaps some lessons learned here um, is that if we're doing this again. You know, the one company not to pick is Embracer <laughs> or go. any of their uh, subsidiaries because they just average really low. Uh, you know, it's funny. Gearbox will likely be on next year's rankings because of Tiny Tina, uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. And I think that's actually doing pretty well. Um, and I just searched a list of uh, Warner Brothers uh, published games. Because I want to try to figure out what they published on... Because I can't... I refuse to believe it was nothing. Um, okay, I got it. So Warner Brothers only published two games in 2021. 
Okay. It was an iOS game. It was yeah. an iOS Lego game. And the other one, Lewis, I'm surprised that we didn't think of this because it was in, it was in both of ours radar and it's back for blood. Whoa. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but my guess is that like, my guess is that the iOS game probably didn't even get reviewed and maybe just having one game is not enough to, uh, to chart because otherwise all it would take is for like, you know, some indie publisher to just release like one game, one indie and make, game. And, that's... They, like, and it makes a nine out of 10 and suddenly yeah. it's like the best publisher of the year. I will point out though, that, uh, Warner brothers would, would make for a good pick for 2022 because they got, uh, Lego, the Skywalker saga just came out gotham knights is coming out this year hogwarts legacy is supposedly coming out this year and also multiverses holy is shit supposedly coming out this year as well so this might be a good year for uh warner brothers so question are we keeping the same yes. teams for through 2022 or are we doing a new draft um i think we can do a new draft i think we can do maybe we can do a thing where you can uh you can pick i have an idea you can pick um three to maintain or something and then, and the, then other, the, rest the rest has to go out <laughs> goes into the bucket and has to be redrafted or something i don't know just nice. uh oh although dude. i don't know i kind of want to steal some of your i mean no let's change the rules i want to i want to get <laughs> uh, i don't think it's fair for you to have both nintendo and microsoft so we're gonna... <laughs> that's exactly why i was going to keep them i was like oh damn uh, <laughs> damn um all right lewis this was uh this was a fun little exercise not your typical ready press play episode but i hope you had some fun listening as well maybe not but hopefully you did and uh i'm gonna pass the show over to you to uh continue with the with the podcast let's do some typical ready press play stuff It is time for out this week, and since uh, we are pre-recording it, uh, we do actually don't see, we don't know what's going to be the free games of next week, but we can tell you what allegedly will be your free games this week. <laughs> we got Just Die Already and Paradigm, so let's go ahead and read the blurbs for that. Just Die Already is an old people mayhem sandbox game created by the designers of Goat Simulator. Okay, good pedigree. Oh, interesting. You are an old you're you are old and angry and you've just been kicked out of your retirement home. How will you survive in a world that just wants you to just die already? Jeez, this this seems kind of offensive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure uh I'm not sure I'm okay with this. I feel like uh I don't know. <laughs> this feels well, why are we not <laughs> Why is why are we not seeing Games Media crack down on this? Like I'm not even joking. Like this seems kind of inappropriate to do. Like <laughs> telling I mean, old people to just die gameplay, already. It looks very innocuous. It just seems like Goat Simulator, but with old people. I know, but it's also really violent. By the way, you see these like <laughs> old people get like cut into pieces and shit. Jesus. <laughs> um, I will say it looks kind of fun, and it also looks uh, it looks a lot better than Goat Simulator, honestly. Like, um. Yeah, you can it's, see it's, there's physics going on, and yeah, it just... Well, Goat Simulator was all about the, the weird physics, right? But, like, it it was very, like, Goat Simulator was very much a, uh, I don't even know how to, like, a shovelware game that that was successful just because of how 
memeable and how goofy it was. But this actually looks like sort of decent. Like this looks like, like you could have seen this game in like a Nintendo Direct or something. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, except for the blood. <laughs> yes. All right. Next up is Paradigm. Paradigm is a surreal adventure game set in a strange and post-apocalyptic Eastern European country of Cruz. Play as the handsome mutant Paradigm whose past comes back to haunt him in the form of a genetically engineered sloth that vomits candy. And this sloth <laughs> looks ridiculously weird, by the way, but, you know, also this it's potato like, uh, head going, thing going on with this guy. Yeah, I was going to say it's like if Donald Trump was a sloth. <laughs> um, that's what I thought. <laughs> um, dang, that's a that's a weird game yeah, <laughs> it's an adventure it's a point and click adventure game so if you know anything yeah. about like like grim fandango or um damn it what's the other one or like broken age yeah broken age yeah it's got like that thing going on so yeah it's very weird i'm looking at this gameplay and it's weird af but you know whatever it's cool there's a lot of uh, 80s throwback meme things going on in this trailer by the way as i'm watching it <laughs> uh, oh my god okay all right enough of this i can't see anymore um so yeah those are gonna be your free games of the week make sure to claim them i mean i try to claim everything um as far as the actual new releases of things that are coming out this week we got nintendo switch sports the spiritual successor to wii sports who knows but uh get moving with soccer volleyball bowling tennis badminton and chambra which is sword play using the joy con controllers Controllers uh, controls are intuitive, so you can hit the co uh, hit the court or lanes or field or arena and get started. With controlled motions, you can curve your your bowling ball, add spin to a tennis shot, or even use a Joy-Con with the leg strap and accessory to kick the ball in a soccer shoutout, uh, shootout. Excuse me. Family and friends can join in on the fun with the same system or online. Plus, a seventh sport is planned to be added via a free update this fall. Get ready to golf. Okay, cool. Uh, Dungeon Defenders Awaken comes out on PlayStation 4 on May 3rd, which I did review uh, for Level 1 Gaming uh, about a year ago uh, for oh, Xbox. So, I think I remember you talking about it, yeah. Um, Trek to Yomi comes out on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, PC on May 5th. Uh, oh, interesting. I thought this was going to be a PlayStation exclusive. Yeah, I would think so too, especially considering that it was on State of Play. But there you go. Ooh. Side bet. It's going to be day one Game Pass. Ooh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. As a vow to his dying master, a young swordsman, um, Hiroki, is sworn to protect his town and the people he loves against all threats. Fated with, uh, faced with tragedy and bound to duty, the lone samurai must voyage beyond life and death to confront himself and decide his path forward cinematic presentation breathtaking camera angles and striking visuals is the spirit of classic samurai film create a true cinematic experience in trek to yomi stylish combat engage vicious swordsmen and supernatural beings with a streamlined combat system based around the traditional weapons of samurai mythic storytelling experience an enthralling story of hiroki during his fall against the forces of evil and heroic return to make good on his failed promise to save the people he swore to protect. Thrilling soundtrack. The thrilling action and somber moments are set against a memorable score designed to feel authentic to the time and place of feudal Japan. I always uh, say that when I review games that the soundtracks uh, don't be banging, but if this one does, that's a good <laughs> point right there for the review. I was surprised by the lack of comas in this uh, in these paragraphs <laughs> that he just read. By the way, um, 
it feels like they they could use some commas in there but yeah um dang that's uh you know two two really solid uh really solid solid releases this uh this week i like I how per- i like how there was only three releases and we read two blurbs <laughs> but yeah yes i personally would give pick of the week to track to yomi honestly. same i think it looks very promising yeah, I've definitely been looking forward to Trek to Yomi. No, no disrespect to Nintendo Switch Sports, but we all we've already played Wii Sports already, so this is the new. Nintendo. Yes, yes, exactly. And also, Louis, I, I wanted to remind you of something. By the way, when we talked about Switch Nintendo Switch Sports before, you said it should have been called Wii Sports Three because you were thinking of Wii Sports and Wii Sports Resort, mm-hmm. but you actually missed one. This would actually be the fourth Wii Ooh. Sports entry. Because Wii Sports was also on the Wii U. Do you remember that? Oh, shit. You're right. Fuck. Yeah. I, it was how called Wii Sports that? Club. You know. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. I completely forgot, which is crazy because I actually have all three Wii Sports games. Um, but, yeah. I, I, I kind mm-hmm. of I vaguely regret not taking part of the uh, the Wii, the Nintendo Switch Sports uh, beta or whatever they had called it. Those play tests. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Lastly, I'll go ahead and move on to the next bit. So for the uh, ready press play list of best games of all time, it's my turn. Uh, we just, uh, well, for us, we just recorded it and said we already got the <laughs> top 14. Now we're about to make it to number 15, and I'm going to make an audible as well. So that's that's going to be very interesting. So uh, it's going to be my turn to add a game. But first, let's review what we already established. Uh, one through five, we got Last of Us, God of War, Ocarina of Time, Tetris, and Street Fighter 2. Six through ten, we got Smash Ultimate, Celeste, Marvel Spider-Man, Journey, and Mario Galaxy rounding out the top ten. And 11 through 14, we got Heart Gold, Soul Silver, Metal Gear Solid, Three Houses, and Super Meat Boy. All right. All right. So, um, my game. At, okay. We've we've swept we swapped roles here because I've been coming in humble and like trying to get round out the top the bottom ten slash fifteen, and you're like trying to go to the top five or whatever. And it's like, you know, <laughs> it's like we swap roles inadvertently because you've been going like hard and I've been kind of going like low key. Uh, I'll I'll be back to going low key soon. I I actually have some games that I that I was planning on adding to the bottom of the list, but I just saved on them because i wanted to assert my dominance <laughs> in the top of the list first <laughs> and then i'll get back and i'll do that <laughs> yeah well like i don't really have any like particular games that i'm strong about so i don't i'm just gonna keep it low key here so um this one's an interesting one because i would i wouldn't say that this is one of the best games of all time however i do consider it semi-required reading slash uh, you know, something that's everyone has a has a story to tell. Uh, mm-hmm. A game that's you know a franchise that's very consistent and just sort of uh, is not going to be one of those like I don't know. You're not going to talk about it in the same vein as you would like The Last of Us or God of War or Ocarina of Time. However, everyone's got you know everyone can everyone can enjoy it, and that is Mario Kart. Dang. Yes. But which one? Mario Kart Eight <laughs> Deluxe for sure. Um, fair enough, fair I enough. was uh, I was um, on on Cogs in a Machine this week, and we the Mario Kart uh, came up in the conversation, and uh, I there was a I'm repeating myself here, but I watched a YouTube video um, that reviewed uh, every single Mario Kart game in the franchise, 
It's basically uh -huh. it was like titled "I Played Every Mario Kart Game in 2022" is what it was called. Don't know any, I don't know the <laughs> name of the YouTuber either. Uh, but uh, he he basically it was like a 40 minute long video where he literally talked about every single Mario Kart game in sequential order, including the arcade games. Um, and he basically just dissected like a little, did like mini reviews as well as told you what's new to the or what each game brought new to the franchise. Um, so you can basically tell tell them apart, like what makes things unique. And I have to agree with him. And he he basically crowned Mario Kart 8 Deluxe as the best Mario Kart game. And having seen his review and relived the games through his his gameplay captures, um, I can sort of I agree with it. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is the best Mario Kart to ever Mario Kart. Um, it's it, it's got the best Mario versus mode that ties with N64. It's got great tracks. It's the most tracks now. Um, instead of with Smash Ultimate, it's like everyone is here. With Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, it's basically going to be like everywhere is here. Uh, so, so yeah, this is definitely Mario Kart. And I, I bring up Mario Kart in the sense that, you know, everyone has grown up with Mario Kart. Like when I think about most people, like, you know, I grew up with my brothers playing Super Nintendo Mario Kart and then my, my cousins, you know, they grew up playing Wii, Mario Kart Wii and stuff like that. So everyone has like this generational stories of like inside jokes and things that everyone has like a, a bond, like, or a, like a bonding moment, you know, like that was that, that shared experience. So yeah, it's funny. I'm actually closer to your cousins than I am to you because I uh, I grew up playing Mario Kart Wii. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, it's like yeah, everyone has that 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 story to tell, and so I've already gone on record about telling about how the tables have turned. You know uh, that story. Yeah, it's old as old. The old story is old. Um, so yeah, like that's why I think that Mario Kart does deserve a spot on this list uh, as a franchise, and this one is like, the pinnacle. Um, however, I don't feel strongly about putting it in the upper echelons, despite it being an iconic game that's quality well, across the board, right? Um, yeah. So I have two spot suggestions, and I'm going to let you pick where you want to put it, because I feel strongly both ways. So okay. I want to put it at number at number nine above... No, actually, yeah, let's say it. Let's say, I want to put it at uh, number nine above Mario Galaxy, or... I want to put it at number 12 below Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Ooh. I I lean towards number 12 and don't get me wrong, I love this game. I love Mario Kart. I I actually the first Mario Kart I played was the Wii one. I was already like 13, 14 then, but um I didn't play the game before that and I had a lot of I know that the Wii one is looked back on as like one of the worst ones or whatever, but <laughs> Yeah. Uh, which is often true for like whatever like the jumping point that I tend to get into franchises. Uh, that's often the case, but it's still. I mean, that's the thing. It's still Mario Kart. Like, how bad can it be, right? Like, right. how different can it be? It's just Mario Kart. So uh, I still had fun with that. And then Mario Kart Eight on, or I played uh, Seven. I played Mario Kart DS, and then I played Seven on the 3DS a decent amount too. And Eight on the Wii U was like fantastic. And then they made it even better on the Switch. So I agree out of all the ones that I played. And I went back and checked out some of the older ones as well. Um, I think that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is the best one and is the one that, be uh, that belongs in the list. Um, I know we're going to rearrange the list a little bit, uh, but I still don't think, like... Top 10 I, true? I, yeah, I don't... I, I can't I can't see it going into the top 10 uh, for us. So I would put it. I would put it under Pokemon right, right now. Fair enough. I feel strongly, like I said, I don't feel strongly either way. Like, I think that it goes, like, somewhere in the top 10, but also I don't know if I would rank it above, like, Journey and Galaxy. 
mm-hmm. I was sort of like a little like lukewarm on that one. But yeah, uh, a number twelve is fine. It settles. It's uh, I, I like I said, I, it it feels like it's going a little unappreciated. But at the same time, it's like <laughs> at the same time, it's like good, right? But it's not like. I don't know. It's it's one of those games that well, it benefits from multiplayer and couch co-op and everyone like yeah. shitting on each other verbally, you know? Here's here's the thing. The idea is that the list is going to keep growing and it's supposed to be or or list of best games of all time. So at one point we're going to have a game be on like number 75 on the list <laughs> that is still like an excellent game perhaps, right? But it's just like how we decide to rank them. And it's arbitrary and honestly like we could... Like, any given day, we could probably rank this list very differently. Uh, and on that note, you mentioned that you wanted to reshuffle the list a little bit. Maybe we can do it every five entries. We can do that. Um, so, what... Do you have, like, one particular move yes. that yes. you want to make? Okay. All right. So, All right. this is what uh, we, I was suggesting. I guess at, at, at every five, which means at number 20, you'll get your shuffle. So, I see. I see. I so, see. Uh, I like so that. Every five, now, we'll, do, uh, we'll do one edit. Okay, sounds good. And is the edit, does it need to be like you push something up and then it drags everything else down? Or can you swap two games? Either. So you can either swap positions or move something down and everything else goes up or vice versa. Move something up and everything goes down. This reminds me of the old like NVC special episodes where they were, where they did. I don't know if you ever watched those. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, where they did it with an audience and stuff and people would go in and, and do those changes. But go ahead, Lewis. What change do you want to make? All right. My change. And I'm, you're going you're gonna to fucking hate me for this. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I can't I can't uh, not see, have a list of best games of all time and not have Smash Ultimate in the top five. So, <laughs> well, we just pushed it out. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, fuck you, Dan. God of War has to go. So I'm going to put God of War below smash ultimate and make everything else rise up one spot oh interesting okay okay so we're taking god of war out of the top five and putting it at number six yes is that that's it? it okay that's it. well i guess i can't do anything about it because <laughs> except that's, use your that's edit to number 20 it, but... yeah in five so in five episodes then we'll see we'll see what i do how funny would it be because like the first edit was leah and she pushed god of war up and then now you push it down but it's still like well, you know above where it, it yeah was before. I was like say, what if i push it again <laughs> i i it was still higher than what we had it before because i think it was either below galaxy or just above galaxy before yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. this is okay. fair i would say i think this is fair all right um, but yeah, no, I mean, plus not to mention, we'll have like five more game, uh, games added onto the list. So it'll make things even more complicated when it's your turn to edit. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that being said, here's the list in the top 15 ready, press play best games of all time. We got last of us, Ocarina of time, Tetris, street fighter two and smash ultimate. <laughs> yeah. Number five, <laughs> two, two fighting games in the top five. By the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is true. Holy shit. Yeah, but they're iconic, though. That's true. <laughs> uh, uh, six or ten. We got God of War, Celeste, Marvel Spider-Man, Journey, and Mario Galaxy. Again, Mario Galaxy is like, you got to be this tall to ride. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eleven through fifteen. We got Heart Gold, Soul Silver, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Metal Gear Solid, Fire Emblem Three Houses, and Super Meat Boy. 
I feel like we definitely have a tier structure going on here. I think you yes. definitely have like a, a three tier. It's like a, like a tier S, tier A, and like a tier B. I know, right? Yeah. I can kind of see that. That's kind of, that, oh. that is interesting. We are treating it like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and Nintendo starting to have some uh, some dominance on the, on the top five over Sony now. But... That is true. Holy shit. Yeah, this has been fun. I've enjoyed I've enjoyed doing this exercise. I feel like this is a good sort of replacement to uh to sharing the love after we uh we kind of ran out of uh, sharing the love stories. Now it's more just about like the games, you know. Fair enough. But, yeah. All right, let's move on, Lewis. All right, I'll give the show back over to you. So uh, we like to end each episode of Ready Press Play with some recommendations for people out there. Uh, and Lewis, why don't you go ahead and uh, start us off today? So I'm no longer going to be a bitch. I'm going to actually recommend something to play because I've been wa- recommending stuff to watch. So I'm going <laughs> to just break that mold here. And I'm just going to give you guys a throwback here. Uh, the okay. Simpsons Hit and Run. It is for the yes. PS2, Xbox, and GameCube. It hasn't really been like remastered or ported anywhere, uh, so you have to play it on old hardware if you can find it. Um, it's pretty cheap at used game stores. Uh, I wouldn't imagine it being anywhere more than like $8 or something like that. Um, it is a game that really should have had a sequel. It was successful both critically and commercially back in its day, but I'm guessing either licensing issues or something, something prevented it from continuing on. But it's basically like Baby's First GTA is the best way I can explain it. But it's not insulting. <laughs> but it's like an open world game. Um, and we're talking about PS2 hardware here. But an open world game where you have the Simpsons license with like Simpsons characters, Simpsons cars and stuff like that. Um, Storyline, a, a funny campaign that's written with like the creators of the Simpsons and has homages to old episodes from the Simpsons. So like if you're a Simpsons fan, you can see throwbacks and callbacks to the actual show. It's got the actual voice actors of the Simpsons playing their roles. So it's quality. Um, I, it was a, it, I had a fun time. It was hilarious uh, playing that game back in the day. I haven't really played it really since then, but I, I did recently play it a little bit on a, as part of a 24-hour stream for charity uh, a couple years back. So it was a little rough around the edges. It definitely like, I definitely looks better than I remember, or sorry, it looks better in my memory than what I, than what it actually is. But, you know, hopefully with modern conveniences, if you play it with like component cables or HDMI upscalers, maybe that'll clean it up. But either way, it's still quality. It's The Simpsons. If you, want, if you love the show, then you'll love the game. All right. Awesome. My recommendation is uh, the game Journey just completed 10 years uh, last month. We, uh, we covered it recently. We talked, mentioned it in the podcast and we... Uh, uh, it's in our list and everything. Uh, Leah recently got to play it for the first time. I, I made her play it. She had some issues with it. <laughs> whoa, whoa, but, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah you took cool. a left turn on that one, but okay. <laughs> well, she thought it was like the gameplay was like boring and stuff, but she appreciated the, you know, the art and everything else. But uh, I mean, fair enough. There's That's not a, an unpopular opinion, actually. I've heard a lot of people that feel that way, but... Uh, regardless, what I wanted to give a shout out to actually was that Austin Wintery, the original composer of the music for Journey, in fact, uh, that game was kind of what set out his career and his proceeded to uh, do music for a lot of other games uh, since then. It's kind of what made him um, 
like known and stuff and, and got him a lot of the jobs they got after that. Uh, but in order to celebrate the 10 years of, of Journey, uh, he got together with the London Symphony Orchestra and they put out this new album, which is sort of like a re, uh, like a re-recording with changes and, and like a certain new versions of the soundtrack of the game. Uh, journey and it's called traveler a journey symphony uh, you can find it on apple music you can find it on probably spotify and other places so uh, go ahead and listen to traveler a journey symphony go and play journey uh, if you haven't yet uh, it is you know one of as of now one of ready press place top 10 games of all time i think it's probably going to fall down the list as we add more games at some point but <laughs> still pretty uh pretty great stuff there I'm feel, I feel like you, you recommended Journey when we first added it onto the list, by the way. Like, I could be wrong, but... Did I? I, <laughs> I might have done this before. I don't know. But, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm specifically recommending the album this time. <laughs> uh, it is time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Press Play. Don't forget to subscribe. Give us a nice review and tell your friends about the show. Uh, we're going to be back next week with a regular uh, schedule with a regularly timely scheduled episode. Uh, you can find the podcast at Ready Press Play on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at PowerUpDan and Lewis. At Chakalaka88. That's right. See you next time, guys. Bye-bye. Peace. Peace.